0: and welcome to what I believe will be a rather amusing episode of Cisco Champion Radio. I've already had to yell at a few folks to stop discussing this now because I want it all on tape. Anyways, we are discussing the future of wireless. Future, future. Anyways, um, Anupam, Matt, Peter Jan, I just totally forgot your name even though I've known you for years. And uh, Shetel, so Anupam, uh, who are you? What do you do?
1: Uh, I work at Cisco. I'm a senior director of product management, focused on enterprise wireless platforms.
0: Fantastic. Matt, who are you?
2: Matt McPherson, and I'm the CTO of wireless. And I get to actually work on all these next generation technologies. And it's great that I'm sitting here next to AnaPOm because AnaPOM has to actually turn things into products. So, so it'll be good to have a discussion, because he's going to be thinking, how do I build this? And I'm going to be thinking, hey, this is cool. So
0: you'll <laughs> promise all the stuff, and he'll make it happen.
2: We will see. We will yeah.
0: see. <laughs> oh, and I forgot to ask. Are you guys on the Twitters?
1: Yes, we are. At least I am. My first
2: name, Anupam, you.
0: Okay. No underscore or anything no. like that. Fantastic.
2: You're going to Anupam me? Is it? S- we'll try that. Okay. <laughs> so, Macpherson 7. Mine's real easy. Good job. Hi, not, my you name, go name
3: is PT On Africans. I'm a Cisco champion since 2017, already fourth year. In a row? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Proud. Being a Mm -hmm. consultant architect uh, and also a very proud Cisco Press author.
0: And you're going to be a a speaker?
3: And I'm also a speaker at Cisco Live, speaking tomorrow and Wednesday morning for a full route of 500.
0: Yes, people. although people are going to be listening to this in the future, so they'll have to They'll they have to go back yeah. to a few exactly. recordings. Yes,
3: everything is recorded, so okay. if you have your CCO account, you can go to ciscolife.com and watch the recordings.
0: Excellent. Good ad.
4: <laughs> yeah, my name is Shetl. work at the Network Operations Center at Konsha Norge and do some consultancy work, and I primarily like talking about wireless. Fantastic. Yeah, and uh, my Twitter is Mr. Teigen. Okay. Mr. I'll yeah,
0: I'll put it in the notes.
4: Yeah.
3: Oh, my Twitter handle is PJNF. And, well, Lauren, you said topic is future of wireless. Well, wireless is so wide. But let's start with the f- most obvious wireless trends, at least in networking, which is called Wi-Fi 6. Can tell a little bit more about that? Because I know it is IEEE 802.11ax.
0: You and everyone else, buddy. <laughs> oh sorry. I'll go sit in my corner now.
2: Yeah. So let's talk about Wi-Fi 6. So you know it's interesting it, to actually think we're on the 6th generation of Wi-Fi. We didn't used to think about it that way. We had all the other acronyms like AX, AC and, the standards. and going on back. Right, actually referring as the as the standard. And you know it's if you look back over time, every time we came out with the next generation of Wi-Fi, we talked about how great that generation was and what types of capabilities it would add. But what I would say about Wi-Fi 6 is that it's quite revolutionary. And the reason I'm saying that is because even down at the lower layers, even down at the Mac, we're talking about now implementing this next generation of radio technology known as OFDMA. All previous generations, OFDM. This generation now capable of doing OFDMA. And it's it, it's particularly interesting because guess what? 5G is also based on OFDMA. Ooh. So when we start comparing some of these technologies and we start to see some of these overlaps, it makes for, I think, actually better synergies than we've ever had before. So Wi-Fi 6, great new technology from the foundation up. More capable than what we've seen in the past. And I think we have some pretty high expectations on it.
3: Yeah, and, and of course, it matches the requirements or the trends. Well, it's a fact. The primary connection factor in an enterprise network is wireless, yeah. at least in my experience. I don't know about you, Kettle.
4: Yeah, of course. But uh, now I didn't hear that the last question you had. But um, so uh, we can, uh, I just have one adding a question about the AX after uh, about May, And um, of course, it will be good to like have uh, different units get smaller research units, not use the entire channel. That's always been a problem before, right? And because the AX standard is not completely done yet, it will probably be a bit different how the AP will calculate how much a research unit a particular client will have so I'm thinking about how are Cisco different from others uh, and um, about how they deliver, deliver research units to different clients, and I'm also really interested in seeing this in best practice how this will be we're I mean, talking about tens of thousands of AX clients and see if the clients are smart enough to take like a small RU when there is a small amount of data uh, so I would like just to knowledge me more sure. about <laughs> this. Sure, I <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> think it's very it. interesting. So, so yes.
1: To Matt, before you go into the technical details, I want to come back to that question about Wi-Fi 6 for mm-hmm. a second. Yeah. We talked about feeds and speeds, right? And Matt talked about OFDMA, which I think is the cornerstone of a lot of good things happening with Wi-Fi 6. And then you've got things like target wait time and VSS coloring. But one of the things I'm excited about in Wi-Fi 6 is The resurgence of 2.4 gigahertz, right? If you look at uh, 11 AC, that band was forgotten. And we have seen a lot of IoT technologies coming in on 2.4. Yeah, that's true. And you had channel one, you had channel six, and you had channel 11, right? And the noise floor was so high that you did not really see being 2.4 gigahertz being uh, usable a lot. So while feeds and speeds will happen with 11x, I'm excited about that. For me, the IoT and the 2.4 gigahertz band coming back together, I think is going to do a lot of interesting things. It truly allows you to relegate IoT, which does not require a lot of feeds and speeds, but does require range. Can go to the 2.4, 5 gigahertz for your uh, other technologies. And in the future, when six comes in, that gives you, like, pristine spectrum. So I think there is a space for everything in Wi-Fi 6.
3: Yeah.
4: And we'll come back to the question that you Yeah, asked. but uh, th- that one's interesting about that. you bringing the 2.4 gigahertz back. Every time I heard that, I like to like a silver in my body. <laughs> 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 because uh, st- because still, uh, to this day, there will be always some interference between old uh, units. So, like I worked like right. a survey once, and I can see like 40 different BG routers. And even though we have target wake time, we going to bring 2.4 gigahertz back to the IoT, uh, they will still have to listen and be uh, interference by old yeah. routers. Because we, you can change all the routers in your building, but if you have neighbors, like a housing compartment with thousands of uh, people, yep. they will have old routers, and they all have to listen to them. Or so e- even with BSS coloring, if. That almost doesn't support it, it will not work. So, yeah. we, it will take some years before I will truly and love 2.4 again. This and will then, then also, <laughs> <with time.
3: laughs> you, you, yeah, I also <laughs> take into account the clients. I mean, I, I have a smart home, I have a thermostat at home, and that's only 2.4. Yep. So, it's really following the old standards. So, I can have a very nice, nifty uh, AX or Wi Fi 6 AP. I still need to support those old nasty (laughs) B uh, standards.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, this is going to be a journey. You're absolutely right. It's not going to happen tomorrow. And you could get creative about some of these things. And I shouldn't say that, but you could do static assignments. Not a good thing. I understand that. But I think at some point of time in the next couple of years, as you start seeing a bigger percentage of clients coming on the 11x bandwagon, and as you guys know, as chipsets become more prominent, the cost goes down. You'll start seeing some of this come in IoT, it's, it's a given. So I agree with you, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but over time, 2.4 gigahertz is going to become usable. We
3: should would be I able to do an estimate in how much time, months, years? We're
0: talking about the future, man. I know, yeah.
3: that, that's why I'm asking.
4: <laughs> how <laughs> but concrete is the future? <laughs> the, the, the place I live now, there's almost none uh, 2.4 gigahertz nearby. So, uh, yes, I have um, a Meraki access point, I have a Cisco access point, I have like a little small lab, but I primarily use 2.4 gigahertz (laughs) because it covers the entire room and I have like 70 megabits upload and download and it's no interference by nobody. I disabled it. (laughs) 2.4, yeah, it's really hilarious.
3: (laughs) I completely disabled 2.4.
4: But it's nothing nearby because I would just want to try it because I never lived in a place where there's no 2.4 interference I, so um, from neighbors
2: which is fortunate which is fortunate <laughs> yeah. so I'm going to I'm going to address <laughs> a, a couple of the questions that I that I think that came up because Anna is making a great point about the resurgence of two 2.4 and I think that there are a lot of devices especially wearables to your point yeah. I think we'll use 2.4 because it's becoming available again as people move into five, and as six becomes six gigahertz becomes available. I think what's going to happen is that you'll you'll see that that there'll be lighter and lighter demand on 2.4. But I wanted to bring out another aspect of uh, Wi-Fi 6 uh, around OFDMA because you started to touch on it yeah. when it comes to scheduling, uh, which I think is a very important aspect of OFDMA is not only are you scheduling and not only is that scheduling controlled from the AP, which means you can now manage multiple devices that used to just start talking on their own in previous generations. Now you can actually manage when they talk is very important. And the second aspect of that, OFDMA allows you to actually schedule in the frequency domain, which you were not able to do in the no. past. And so as we know from analysis, many packets that go over the network are small packets. And what happens is that you get this transmission opportunity in Wi-Fi, and then when after you use that opportunity, then it's it's up for grabs for anybody and then you transmit again and then you, you try to get another opportunity and so for any packet or any flow it eats up that whole opportunity, that transmit opportunity, that T X op but in reality, you're not using anywhere near as much of that TX op as you could use. So Wi-Fi 6 going in the frequency domain means that you can get multiple conversations all into that same transmit opportunity. What does that mean? You're not vying for the air interface nearly as much. So if you can do multiple conversations simultaneously in every trans- transmit op, then the only time that you contend for the error again is for that next transmit op.
3: But that does right. require all clients on that AP to be AX, isn't it?
2: Um, no. It doesn't. So what you can do is you can mix AX and AC and N together. Now, you're, I understand what you're saying. is that, So that doesn't require everything does AX, but you're saying, do you lose the benefit of AX when you have these legacy clients? And that was a question we absolutely wanted to answer. Uh, Cisco has a SIG or a special interest group that's doing a dive down on Wi-Fi 6 and its behavior. And we... Com- What we're doing in the SIG is we're looking at a couple of things. One is what happens with Wi-Fi 6 when it's in with these other legacy technologies? And also since 5G and LTE-LAA is now coming into 5 gigahertz, what happens when Wi-Fi 6 is in a channel with 5G? Or LTE. So, and and is that, it fair? Right.
3: That, that was a very big fight a couple There's of a years ago. There's a very big
2: fight, and, and some of these things are still going on. But let's talk <laughs> about the easy one. The easy one is when Wi-Fi is with Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi 6 with a previous generation. And you know what's interesting is we did this testing and we ran a lot of this modeling and simulation. What you find out is that Wi-Fi 6 actually gets the lion's share of the bandwidth. And the reason is, is because as multiple different applications are using that transmit op simultaneously, you're filling up every transmit op. So when Wi-Fi 6 grabs it, it gets a lot of traffic through. And then a legacy client grabs it and puts a little bit through. And then Wi-Fi 6 grabs it, gets a lot through. Yeah. Right. So what you actually have is the opposite problem. If you're not careful, you can starve legacy devices. And so these are the types of things that I think really differentiate a Cisco enterprise class service provider class AP from, you know, your cheap, I was to say electronic store, I'm not going to say a brand, (laughs) (laughs) AP that's not doing these types of things, right? So I think... That's one of the things that I think is very important to realize is that Wi-Fi 6, um, although it'll be interrupted by other devices, will still get a lot of benefit even when it first comes out in mixed environments.
0: What's the problem with starving legacy devices? You were saying if you don't watch out, you might starve them.
2: It is a problem because if you're in a hospital and that heart monitor is still on N,
0: Uh. you
2: may want to make sure that that still gets through.
0: Okay, I thought, You're you're basically
3: ignoring those legacy clients because all the traffic is going to the large consumers. So the small consumers, like that heart monitor or a door sensor or a small ping, Okay. They're lost. They're basically dead. Yeah, you
2: take, a, you take a smart device like this one I'm holding here in my hand, and, and it's, uh, I mean, they, these things update every year. So getting into a new yeah. device, you know, a refresh, is, goes through a pretty full cycle every couple of years. But if you're buying very expensive, multi-hundred-thousand-dollar equipment in a hospital or in a manufacturing plant, it doesn't cycle quite so fast. So it's important that we, that we make these things compatible. Now, I actually think to actually do it, better, Mm. what you would do is probably when you're mixing these environments is associate certain channels with Wi-Fi 6 and other channels with legacy because then you'd get separation and get the full power of Wi-Fi 6 in those isolated channels. That'll be a more practical way to do it. And I'll tell you that all of our our APs are multi-radio now, so that you can do those types of things. And that would probably be a better way to do it. But in very crowded environments where you do have rogues like a mall, and like I said, APs you don't own, then this is the type of behavior that you can expect. Any office building. Exactly. But then if you were in a hospital and you designed Wi-Fi 6 and uh, all its
4: glory, and you have like thousands of old uh, IoT devices that run on B or G, like old ones, but they, they can't just change it because it's critical to run the hospital, for example. And, um, and it would have happened that the AX AP client, like the Cisco APs, starve out, starve out those, could, it's very stupid to say it almost, could uh, like the AP like, be kinder to the old clients because it's important, but could you please let them speak more than usual? Yeah. That, that's give, u- them, give old clients airtime because it's critical?
2: Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. You can do those types of features. Beca- and, and, and by the way, you'd never completely starve out the legacy because they're going to get transmit ops in there, right? So you'd never completely starve it out. But you will get a lion's share just because it's, it, Wi-Fi 6 is making better use of the spectrum. So, Perfect. so you, you'll never completely starve them out. But if you wanted to make it more fair, then you can apply a policy to yeah, that. Okay, yeah.
1: And look, Matt, to your point and to your point, right? Uh, it's not that the time slices are being shared uh, more with 11x. It's just that 11x, because of OFDMA, is using that time slice to transmit more payloads.
4: More effectively. Yeah. More yeah so effective not, it's rate. not longer so time. So it's just more at just the,
1: the same that, time. Yeah. yeah. It's just that I'm driving on Autobahn. Autobahn. <laughs> with 11ax yeah, and everyone so else has
4: yeah but now using a 20 megahertz channel to send like 200 kilobytes or something just use the whole <laughs> channel but
2: yeah boom right
4: Atomos. it's been so that's the, that's, the, I, uh, that's the interesting thing about uh, of the may so how we can see that but i'm uh, looking forward to see like um, how it will be when we do have thousands of ax, AX clients how it would
2: actually work yeah, and, and and that is better. if you
4: have if you, if you do you have in use cases when you you're labbed with probably ten or fifteen units have you like tested with hundreds or thousands how many Ace clients are. Of course, Cisco. Yeah, right of now, of course, you're
2: talking to Cisco, right? Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. You're tried more than that. <laughs> we have whole floors because that are. I remember lapsed. when AX was releasing, and everybody on YouTube, like the famous YouTuber, took like one phone. Look at the speed, <laughs> and the speed was like lower than the AC. But uh, and then uh, by the people, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, So it is not about the speed, yeah. but with one phone you can't test yeah, out you, what you know, the AX is
2: all about. You're bringing up an excellent point because oftentimes even. You know, with some of the competition, they'll, they'll do this race load where they have one AP and one device and they'll say, oh, you know, look at how much I can get through. But it, it w- wouldn't practically be how you'd configure it. Right. And, and so what we look for at Cisco, I mean, we do some of the densest networks on the planet. Um, we do Mobile World Congress, we're doing this event here, um, we do many of the schools and lecture halls. And so we, we work with high density all the time. And what you're really looking for is the, to maximize your aggregate throughput.
3: Yeah.
2: Right? You, th- which well, means... For multiple clients. That's right. That means that the individual client may not peak as high as if you tuned it for one. But what you really want to achieve is your maximum aggregate throughput. This is why a lot of times in the networks you see today, even though you could allocate an 80 megahertz channel, practically for aggregate throughput and to isolate the channels, it's more typical you see 20 and 40 actually implemented. And so that'll happen. And even
3: in higher density, back from 40 to 20. That's right. And create more APs to actually serve more channels. and. Uh, change my TRX uh, up a little bit more, so they're a little bit sharper. Right.
2: Yeah. So then, with and then you have AX mm. come in, you have Wi-Fi six come in, and you'll get more through even in a twenty than what you got through in the previous version. Because so you're effectively multiplexing on that right. single
3: frame that's available.
2: Right. That's right.
3: But I want to circle back to the two dot four. Um, I'm a bit sensitive, uh, or no, not sensitive. I would say less optimistic on getting 2.4 back up because it's already so crowded uh, with uh, Bluetooth. I mean, I've got like five, six devices all talking Bluetooth. I have screen sharing Bluetooth. That's going to break the 2.4 completely. Um, I know of a lot of high-density wireless that we just disabled 2.4 because of all the interference of personal devices. Uh, My pencil is Bluetooth, uh, it's blocking. And something else what I've seen over the past couple of years as well is that somebody from facilities facility is coming in and says, yeah, look, we've got these great new light bulbs, and we can connect them wirelessly.
0: Yay! Uh, and you're like, oh, no. <laughs>
3: nice, but that's actually Zigbee, so it's completely blocking the 2.4 mm. completely. How do you see that's balancing out, I mean, IoT is not only the Wi-Fi ethernet, IoT is also Zigbee or even LoRa or other or frequencies. BLE. So yeah. it's BLE beacons, you can do so much cool yeah. stuff with beacons nowadays, so wireless is much broader. So how, do, how can we really share that very limited set of spectrum because it, the spectrum is full?
1: Yeah, and I'll go back to what Matt said, right? It's the number of, the channel width is not, well, the number of channels are not changing. It's not that I can dramatically increase the width of the channels because no. the amount of spectrum is finite in 2.4. I think what's going to happen is, over time, and, and that's the conversation we had, this is not going to change overnight. And if you look, you, know, you asked me a question, if you look at in the future, when do you see a lot of 2.4 gigahertz clients becoming 11 AX? Before I answer that question, I mean, you'll be surprised to know that in a lot of countries in Asia, you still have phones which are AC, but just have two point four on it, right? It's just cost economics, right? So if you look at the maturity of a technology in about three to four or four to five, pick a number, you start seeing some of this sort of go uh, become more prevalent at a cost which can be borne by the lower cost uh, things like your badge readers or your light bulbs, which cost ten dollars or whatever they are and. So, before I answer that question directly, when we have done simulations, right, and this has got nothing with 2.4, 11AX versus non 11AX, we started seeing some of the benefits of throughput and higher density kick in when the client ratio is about 30 to 40%, 11AX. And I see that same rule coming to 2.4 as well. When you start seeing a higher density of clients, which is 11AX, it will indirectly benefit the BLE, the ZigBee, and the legacy clients as well. You know why? Because as these new devices come in, they can get on the network, transmit faster, because they can use that same time slice to transmit multiple payloads, make the spectrum that they control more efficient, and hopefully it results in a better world. And you're right, Peter. This is... 2.4 2.4 is a bit of a contentious topic. It's, <laughs> it's not going <laughs> no. to change overnight. <laughs> but if you think about it, right, uh, go and look at the noise floor. SNR, if you look at SNRs of 2.4, a lot of places 2.4 has been shut down just because of the noise floor. Right. You just cannot distinguish a good signal from a noisy signal. And that people say, I'm not going to do much about it. But back to your point, you are seeing more and more devices come on
3: 2.4. Yeah, but they're not more all than talking Wi-Fi. That's, the, that's my whole yeah. problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's, I, uh, the whole idea is
3: yeah. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah,
4: but it's cheaper when the A if the A X ship like as the same price. Yeah, so even that's if it's like ten cents, they still use it. the two point four. But exactly. it needs to be cheaper it needs than, to than everyone. To
1: and really. At some point of time, it has to be cheap, right? And I'm hoping for that world.
3: Well, cheap or sustainable because five takes more power, so you have less exactly battery. Right. So it's also or penetration
1: range, right? It's also yeah. a range game at the end of the day 2.4 gives you better range than five yeah
2: well and some of this stuff like you know wearables is so close to your phone it's not emanating a lot of power that's, and that's one true. of the That's one of the benefits of bluetooth right bluetooth is actually you know power modulated so right now you know between my watch and my phone it's emanating almost anything in fact the the ap wouldn't even see the interference
3: no i might actually not even see it on my watch
2: yeah that's right
4: yeah, so could that then be, uh, to make it cheap because of IT devices on 2.4 you can like make uh, like chips that only support AX and 2.4 if they just des- change that and now all the IT devices? Uh, <laughs> so maybe I'd 2.4 is not good at your home, but think of a factory like uh, in the desert, for example. Yes. A lot of IT devices that need the distance. It's yeah. cheap. And yeah, have 2.4 in, so in there, yes, like yeah, a large
3: yeah. warehouse, 2.4, yeah. not 5.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and what we're starting to see on on some of the more capable devices is now uh, Wi-Fi that can do 2.4 and 5 simultaneously. Yep. So if you look at the chipsets that are coming out, and they're doing it for exactly this reason, so that you can use 2.4 for, for example, wearables while you're doing 5, using more power for connecting to the AP up on the ceiling. Mm.
3: Sounds interesting.
2: Yeah, sounds like the battery will drain faster. <laughs> maybe, <or laughs>
4: well, it depends, right? Yeah, it depends on how to design it.
3: No, that—that's also then we just need to put a larger battery on it.
0: Yeah, yeah, obviously,
3: like the old car phones. You
2: can battery like with, a a with a phone, like
1: a battery <laughs> on the back. To <laughs> back to the future.
2: Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> but I— but I, I mean, do you— do you guys still turn off your uh, Wi-Fi to save battery power when you're out and about?
3: Uh, on these conferences, uh, like last year in San Diego, I did. In the
2: last year you did? Yeah. Okay. Because well, what we're seeing is people are less and less turning off the radios because they are becoming more and more efficient on how they're used, both in silicon, and they're also becoming more intelligent in the devices because they're turning off the radios themselves.
4: That's true as well. Well, I can say if I have wireless on, it doesn't drain so much battery. If I use just 4G, it drains a lot more battery. Hmm. This phone, for example. Like and you're the, right. right, right, right but the
1: thing about LTE technologies, Especially in a roaming situation, yeah. where it's always hunting for yeah. the best sellers, then, then that is where you see the real drain. Yeah. yeah,
3: And the same with here with high density, because you yeah. see so many endpoints from the client perspective, you exactly. see so many APs, you you can't choose anymore. There's so many good signals out there. I don't know which one I'm going with that one. I'm going with that one. And that's being optimized in the client finally uh, as well. At least that's my yeah. experience.
2: Well, I mean this and that's one of the benefits of AX as well because what'll happen is that the AP will take a more active role in those types of situations as you go forward. It you know it was very hard to control the device behavior in previous generations, but as we Not. <laughs> yeah, we really don't. You're right. We're really not controlling it. But as we get into FDMA and, and we can, and this is something that we're spending a lot of time working on because as you go into Wi-Fi 6, even as you go into 6 gigahertz where you can only use Wi-Fi 6, right? What can happen is that you can still go to SU, you can still go to single user mode, um, which means that you're not doing or getting some of those benefits of scheduling from the AP. So this is quite a hot topic right now because we really want to see those gains in Wi-Fi 6. So we're working very close with all the device players to make sure that we understand when that's being done and why. And if we have something that's mission critical, that we could actually turn that off. So again, you know, the fact that Cisco works so close with the different device manufacturers means that we can produce a better environment by implementing that intelligence on both sides.
1: And to Matt's point, uh, without going into a lot of details, normally when he when wants details. He it, wants when details. You, <laughs> when you see an issue with a client, <laughs> the first thing you always blame is the Wi-Fi network, right? You yeah. always say. And when we're doing this testing, uh, when we have a few Wi-Fi 6 clients and we had the other clients being Wi-Fi 5 or even be or even older, we saw behavior where the clients were not working very well. The Wi-Fi 6 client was not working very well with the Wi-Fi 4 or 5 client and that was causing issues in the wireless network. And if we hadn't really seen that, you'd have, you'd have rolled out a product that sees those issues and eventually the AP gets blamed. So what are the benefits of just soaking in and doing that testing interoperability with all the vendors out there has helped us solve interoperability issues, just not between the client and the AP, but also between clients. Yeah. And the good part is we can get all parties on the same table and yeah. help resolve a lot and of And that's the s-
3: same information is again used in Assurance from DNA Center. Exactly right. To show which clients are actually sticky. Like the famous sticky client, which helps troubleshooting as well.
2: That's right. So we're constantly looking and improving these protocols. And uh, of course, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people are using 11R, K and V now. So what, what is the best next neighbor? What is the best AP to be connected to right now? And how do you cause a disconnect? And so we're looking at those types of technologies and how we can improve them. But I will say one additional thing as well. Uh, what we see is a lot of optimization in OFDMA and scheduling in order to optimize that error interface. And what Cisco is doing, that's one step beyond that, is connecting it to the upper stack policy. So think about that. You might have some mission-critical applications that you would prefer were queued and went on the air first. So now if, if you can take your upper stack policy on what's important to your business... And you can influence the OFDMA scheduler towards that, now you can actually implement mission critical type applications. And this this becomes very important because this was something, you know, a lot of people complain that Wi Fi is not very deterministic. And what we're seeing by applying these types of techniques, we can actually be very and, deterministic. And then
3: with sharing that information with the two largest smartphone manufacturers on the world. That's right. You can, as a developer, again, use those in, that information to get your mission critical application. That's right, and and,
2: and, and, the, and the, it's the a bi-directional network. exchange, so we're yeah. providing information down to the device. The device is providing its current experience back to us. We use that in machine learning so that we can then turn back around and automate a more optimized network. And you may say that, well, how much, come on, how much do you really get? With machine learning, what we're finding with OFDMA scheduling and with spatial reuse, that we're seeing that we can decrease delay by 200%. Ooh. And that we can grow throughput by over 50% using the same spec. Wait. Using the same spec.
0: Dumb question. If you're de- decreasing delay by 200%, does that do you mean it just actually goes faster than it was before?
2: Um, that, it, mean, like, that, it that means the turnaround time. time is faster than it was before, right? So if, so if it took, you know, I'll, I'll toss out some numbers. So if it took 60 milliseconds before, you know, now we can do it in 10.
0: Okay. Right. Okay.
2: That's not 200 percent. I had to do the math. Yeah, I, I was you know? like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a little bit Negative. too. Op-
3: that's optimistic. <laughs> that's a allocation. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, but that that,
4: that back to that that my long question I had before that you actually answered that in a way because when you talk about that that Cisco works closely with enterprises like for example Samsung and other um, products right to see um, because I always when I read about of them I'm wondering about uh, when uh, when the API will be smart enough to like. Deliver that amount of RU to that equipment to that equipment. How it will work in practice? If it will work good, but when I know, we like, if you work closely, I'm uh, so I'm since I worked with customer service before i am always been used to clients that didn't work with that box, because yeah, that n- box didn't have that thing and right. that didn't work with that, but... Well, I mean, this and this is where... I mean, to yeah, mean driver and uh,
2: everything. To Anna Palm's point, w- we were saying this is a little bit of a journey, I think. And OFDMA scheduling is a tricky thing to do, and so it's going to take some experience to get this yeah. exactly right. But what I will tell you is that we, when we did some of the early testing with Samsung, I mean, look, AX was a brand new spec. I mean, there were different areas where we read the spec different than they read the spec. Oops. And this is not atypical. This happens all the time in engineering.
3: That's normally standard. It, right? it, it's yep. pretty
2: common. You know, <laughs> how, how did you implement the standard? And we found over 66 critical bugs that would our customers would have been. Exp- had experienced had we not done that interoperability ahead of time. So the fact that we had these chipsets, the fact that we had these phones, the fact that we could do this interoperability, we could do the measurement on the throughput and the scheduling and the delay means that we can give the customer a much better experience when these products are released. Yeah.
3: All right, so Anupan, Matt, thank you very much. I have one final question to wrap it up. Uh, How would you define the future of wireless in a single word?
4: Awesome, <laughs> because of six gigahertz that we forgot to <laughs> talk about. You said one word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'm I asked word. I was word. thinking
0: that too, man. <laughs> yeah.
4: But it, everywhere.
0: Ooh.
1: Awesome everywhere. I like that
0: better. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks, guys. This has been another awesome and everywhere <laughs> episode of Cisco <laughs> <Systems laughs> Champions Radio. Um, Thanks to our Cisco folks and our Cisco Champions. You guys were fantastic. And um, you can obviously download Cisco Champions Radio from uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and other places that you would grab podcasts. Um, Thank you all very much. Bye.